Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your host Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Jeff. Hello and welcome back to the best fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host Zay, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself. I got my guys with me, the young guru, Young Vander. Holla at the people. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And the rookie extraordinaire, bro, Joe, holla at the people. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, family, we're going to be looking at the AFC Conference risers and fallers after the draft. We're going to make sure we cover all your news and notes for any changes. Let's make sure that you join us on Facebook at the Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. That's F-E-I-N, Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. And we're going to go ahead and kick it off with your news. And now your fantasy news. Not a lot of big news this week, but some stories are kind of coming into fruition right now, such as down there in Tampa. It's looking like Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask may be the starter. What I mean by that is right now it's indicating that going into camp, it's going to be open competition. And uh, Brianna Dix of the team's official site is reporting that there really isn't a lean, if you will, one way or the other as far as the team is concerned. How do you guys feel this Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask preseason competition is going to turn out? I mean, I think it's still Baker's job. I guess it just makes it sound good for the media, whoever. You're going to hear all kind of reports come out, but um, I think they brought Baker in there for a reason. Uh, I don't ex- you know, ex- expect him going there really to compete for a job. I think they really brought him there to be the starter, so this doesn't really mean much to me. I'm a little bit different, you know what I mean, for the number that they brought them there for. It's only $4 million, you know what I mean? We're not talking about, oh, I believe in you so much, let me give you $20 million, even $10 million. Even the average of last year, which was like seven and a half. I think it's an open competition. Do I think Baker should win out because he has the notoriety or the name? Yes. But also, too, they really like Trask as well leading into the draft not too long ago. And he's been able to sit behind, you know, Tom Brady for a few years. I'm not trying to say it, it extrapolates to him being a good player off the bat. With an impending draft, one, it, make it as fair as you can because your guy is more likely not in next year's draft anyway. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. He basically got running back money, if you think about it. So, I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, they needed a body. They got a body that was the best body available, and that was probably the cheapest quarterback as well. So we'll see how that all works out. Justin Fields is ringing bells. Bears OC Luke Getze said that Fields is light years ahead of where he was this time last year. It's looking like things are trending in the right direction. They did get him more weapons. They also got him some protection. Do we think we're going to see a big jump by Justin Fields this year? Just in the natural maturation process of a quarterback, normally when we get to you know having a couple years under your belt, 
the game starts to slow down for you a little bit. So are we looking at Justin Fields as being one of those candidates to kind of take a, a big leap from where he was last year? And if he does take a leap, seeing as how he was the QB1 last year, are we putting him in that upper echelon status, possibly? Uh, it's kind of like a double edged. I think there's going to be an increase as far as his passing uh, because he really, you know, didn't really get much done with his arm. But I think it's going to be a decrease with his legs. I don't think he's going to run as much. True, that makes I'm not, sense. I'm not going to say it's going to be like oh, he's going to be in the upper echelon guys because an increase from where he ended at would be more. I just think it's going to more probably balance out where the arm increases, the legs will decrease. If that makes sense. So I think he still can finish QB one, you know, with a better uh, weapon on the outside, not only with the upgrade with the offensive line. I can say, if you want to call it, you know, decent running backs as well. I wouldn't say it's an upgrade. It's probably like a even. I say whatever he finished at this past year, he could still finish there. But it'll probably be a transition as far as the legs and arms is concerned. Man, Vander hit it right on the head with everything he said. What we need to pay attention to, we've been talking about for a minute, uh, Zay, that being your guy from Ohio State and me kind of having a chance to watch him at Georgia and then what he did for y'all. Um, and what we also said on the show, right? Because the thing is, he may not have passed as efficiently people may have won, but people don't uh, understand this guy is very accurate. And now you get a guy like DJ Moore, who can catch it on double teams, triple teams. I think that's the valuable part of that transition, right? If you're going to give up the legs, what you're going to have uh, as far as weaponry. And I think Darnell Mooney um, and DJ Moore tandem, and if Claypool can finally put it together, everything that they kind of accumulated on offense is going to be worth it because now you got Darnell Wright. You know, we've been wanting him to get a tackle of some sort. You get one of the nastier ones in the bunch. I think I love it, man. I re I'm really high on him as far as redraft, especially. The Washington Commanders are putting their faith in one Sam Howell. Are you guys willing to do the same? I, I don't know if this is going to be short-lived or – if it's going to be a quick exit, depending on how things go for how, but are we looking at maybe a fantasy sleeper? Possibly he does have all the weapons you can ask for from the, you know, running back plethora of wide receivers more than decent tight end uh, when he stays healthy. But is Sam Howell, maybe someone that isn't being talked about enough. What do you guys feel about him? Well, you know, coming out last year, Sam Howell was probably one of my favorite quarterbacks in the draft. So with that being said, I think, he, does, he is going to have some fantasy implications. I mean, being that, you know, the enemy's uh, the head guy in charge. So, yeah, why not? I think he has a lot of talent. He does have the weapons. And there's more guys that can make plays. He's not going to be asked to do a whole lot, I think. But I think they're going to ask a lot of these guys to make plays themselves. So, you know, throw the shorter routes and then, you know, yards of the catch type of deal. So, yeah, why not? I think he can very well be a QB, too. Also with a pretty decent defense. I don't know how this defense is going to look next year, but. He may be put in position to, you know, get some short yardage and, and get some easy score. So, yeah, why not? I like the move. Fantasy relevancy, I mean, it's to be seen. But you love his pedigree. You love his leadership capabilities. And being quite honest, I haven't seen somebody spin, uh, spin the ball in a long time that came out of the Redskins. And he just has it. He has the arm strength and, you know, all the throws to get it done. But what kind of leash? Because this is Ron Rivera we're talking about who might be on a fair leash. And they got Jacoby Brissett as a really good backup. And I think he should have played for Cleveland a little bit longer until Deshaun was acclimated to being ready because that offense was moving. I mean, I think he's a viable backup. I just want to see what leash he's going to have. Not saying I would put one on him, but Ron Rivera also is fighting for his job this year, I would think. Moving on over to running backs, 
Kansas City running back Isaiah Pacheco is recovering from hand and labrum surgery. So now we're trying to see what type of a timetable there's going to be for his return to action as far as offseason activities are concerned. He had a torn labrum and then broke a bone between his wrist and thumb, to be exact. So he is making progress. There isn't quite a timeline just yet on when he's going to be able to be back in tow. They did sign Jarek McKinnon back to the Chiefs. So I'm not exactly sure if the Chiefs are done at running back right now or how that's going to work out. But I don't think it's anything serious. I mean, he getting surgery at the right time. Plenty of time to be ready for camp. I mean, just deploy him as as usual. I think he'll be 100% healthy by when it's time to get ready. Dalvin Cook, Minnesota running back, is now leaning towards possibly staying. This is going to be interesting of whether or not they end up moving him on down the road, which it looks like they were okay with and he was okay with. But I'm not sure if compensation is an issue or what, but it doesn't seem like they're getting very much traction, even with the teams that are interested in him and he's interested in. So it's just going to be a situation to whereas the Vikings are just like, hey, let's just go ahead and let this thing play out. You finish your last year, of your contract, and then we let bygones be bygones. Or do you guys see Dalvin Cook still being moved prior to the beginning of the season? I think it's still possible. I mean, especially looking at the money they spend in Madison. I mean, that's pretty significant for a backup. Let's wait and see what June 1st is like. You know, these June 1st cuts, I think, is going to really be another telltale sign of uh, teams, you know, which way they're going. I think you're going to see some really notable names get released during that date. But, yeah, I, th- I think it's still possible he can move. Of course, everybody hearing names. Miami said even though they drafted a running back in the draft and still signed two guys back, they said he still may be in the market for a veteran. Even Kansas City Chiefs, I'm hearing names like that as far as maybe having some interest in Dalvin Cook. So I think it's still possible um, that he could be still moved before the season starts. Yeah, I think with this one, I think honestly, Dalvin is going to play. You got ten million for this guy, and and pertaining to his workload and what you what we would expect for him when healthy, I think that's a fair game. I think honestly with him, and then looking at the like far as Madison, Madison two years, seven million dollars. That's that's not ringing the bells, you know, to what we've seen, you know, more premier running backs get, or even what Melvin Gordon was able to fetch just a couple years ago. He has at least one more year or to the trade deadline uh, this coming season. I don't think it's hard to move him. His cap number isn't as bad that he can't be moved. More or less, it's, it's a dollars thing, right? If you can afford to keep him for two more years and give him, you know, ample amount of money, I'm sure Dalvin will stay for at least two more seasons. I think it, it, play, it plays out just like somebody in the same division, Aaron Jones, right? Somebody who else who is a statesman there. I, I really think he might stay there for at least two more seasons and take a deal that's going to give him enough guarantees to keep him happy. This guy, both of you have talked about the bit of news that's out there right now on one running back, Mr. Roshan Johnson, is definitely a tick in the right direction. Uh, his coaches are praising him on his pass protection. Now, normally that's one of the final things that uh, rookie running backs kind of add to their resume, if you will. However, for this young man, he kind of already has that skill set under wraps and that's normally the last thing that kind of keeps you off of the field as a young running back. So do we see him infringing upon Deontay Foreman's workload or how do we see this working out? Is this going to be a true committee 33-33-33 type of a deal or obviously barring injury, then we can have some standouts here. But how do you guys feel about if, if that let's let's frame it this way, if there isn't an injury, 
do we think that Johnson may end up usurping Foreman? Or is this going to just end up being a committee and they don't, it's going to be a hot hand type of approach? It's definitely going to be a committee. Um, I did read a report. They don't want a bell cow here. So it's probably going to be a three headed monster. Okay. That's uh, what I needed to know, right? Yeah, there. To be honest. <laughs> um, and, and with that being said, there's going to be some hot hand in there. There's going to be some uh, situational football in there. I think it's all going to be about just the game plan from week to week. With that being said, I'm not a fan of him. I'm more of a fan of him in Dynasty than redraft. But again, everybody knows how good of a pass protector he was coming out like this. He's you don't like think a, he would be a late round guy, seeing as how Foreman and, and Herbert both are no stranger to injury, that he's one week away from possibly starting? Or When it's threes company, those type of running backfields, all it takes is one injury, and that changes the whole complexion. But as long as everybody's healthy, it's divvied up too much. 33.33% of the share. It's just like being in business. If we all in business, we've only got 33% of the share. If one person drops, we got 50% of the share. So I think it's just one of those things where an injury can definitely change the whole outlook of this thing. But going into it, not so much. He's not a guy that you're probably going to start uh, week to week or something like that. What I try not to do anymore is, you know, get ahead of myself during minicamp, right? Minicamp is a time where you're just seeing, you know, second-year players, rookie players, just looking great in shorts, right? So, you know, you just had to draft. These organizations are elated. You're going to always speak to, you know, the, the things that you saw on tape being right in front of you for the first time on the field. But I think he's still a good player. How I think the backfield will shake up is exactly what you and Vander just alluded to. But I will say, you know, Foreman is no, to your point, is no stranger to injury. All I will be doing is paying attention to training camp because if he gets an opportunity to be on the field and to have to carry that workload of a Foreman, of his skill set, I think he can genuinely pull away from it because you got to think, you know, I don't want to put ties to money, but you know, this is a four-year investment compared to a one-year running back. Even though they don't want to have a bell cow, what's, you know, with his skill set being able to pass blocker, zone run scheme, and even be able to be a formidable pass catcher, all things Foreman has done to some degree, let's be honest, when he was with Tennessee. Roshan, like I said, he just has, he just has a lot of pedigree to him and a lot of intangibles that I think he'd be the better back if given opportunity. Coach Zach Taylor gave running back Joe Mixon a vote of confidence this past week, indicating that he will be the team's starting running back. He also sees backup running backs Travion Williams and Chris Evans getting a little bit more run as far as making it a little bit more, I guess, closer to a semblance of a committee versus it just being Joe Mixon's backfield. I don't know how much of an increase we're talking about here, but that's definitely good to hear coming from the coach. And I think Joe Mixon is going to end up finding himself in a place where some of the offseason news has actually made him a value as far as where his average draft position will be, whether it be in dynasty startups or if we're talking about redrafts. We got to remember Mixon was a RB1 last year, and I know the name is a little lackluster, but as long as he's getting the ball, the production was there. We don't believe you. You need more people. Uh, <laughs> you're supposed to say this as a coach. Let's think about it. We talk about Evans. We talk about Trevion Williams. These guys didn't sniff the field at all. Like, period. It was just a one-man band. Like, if you really believe in these guys so much, you to give them a little something. Like, they got absolutely nothing. Even when Mixon didn't play and P. Ron come in, he's still kind of the guy. Like, these guys didn't get anything. Oh, so the part that you don't believe is that Mixon won't be a bell cow, not that Mixon is their guy. Before I get there, I just don't believe this whole 
yeah, we got Travion here. We got Chris here. These guys, I don't believe that part. You went out, you drafted Chase Brown. Gotcha. Fifth okay. round, gotcha. running back. Like, who are we kidding here? And these guys are young. Williams and Evans are young guys. So if you really believe in their, you know, skill set, why go out there and spend a fifth round pick on a running back? Now, with that being said, June 1st. June 1st is the date I got on my calendar because this is what we're going to see if Mixon's going to be on the team or not. Uh, I think they're kind of waiting to hear a little bit more about this whole off-the-field thing he got going on, possible looming suspensions, whatever. I think they just want to hear more before they make a move. But he, I think he, he's on the hot seat. I, I really can see him very well being released. But, again, June 1st is the date that people want to kind of want to pay attention to. But I just don't believe the whole Trevion, Chris deal. Like, that's just nah. With Mixon, it, it all comes down to legal. What I like what's most consistent is that they've been saying this from the offensive coordinator to the people in the organization. They were their, their, his guy, their guy, you know. Going into the draft that, yeah, they took Chase Brown, but I think it was, what, like a fifth-round, sixth-round pick? Not saying that those haven't paid dividends in the NFL, but you look to where other teams are invested into this position, sometimes a third, second. Look at Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, second-round picks, who should have been first, respectfully, but look at Charbonnet, you know, who went to Seattle, second-round pick, which, again, that might not sound like much. Now I'm thinking about it, saying it out loud. But the investment wasn't that much. See, when you look at, for example, Najee, right? Najee is somebody who gets the ball every single, you know, down for that organization. And they had to switch it up, right? They went and found him a scat back, somebody who can kind of take the pressure off of him. I think it's the same thing with Mixon. I think a healthier Mixon really helps this offense stay on the right path. And I just think that it's it's really them saying like, all right, he ain't going to get the ball 99 times, but, you know, he going to get it 90. I think it's it's really minimal, minuscule what that drop off would be, but I just think you know keeping him healthy just makes sense at this point. But I don't think it's gonna be by much. Look at what happened with Najee. He's like, oh, we got somebody spell Najee, and Najee still was on the field majority of the time. I think same thing with Mixon, barring the the legal stuff. We gotta always keep throwing it out there. We're finally starting to hear some rumors about Kareem Hunt, and the latest rumor is that he may be joining the Broncos. As of right now, the backup running back to Javante Williams, as long as Javante is healthy, we, we, we're not sure how that's going to work out, but it's P. Ryan, formerly of Cincinnati. So Hunt going there could prove dividends pretty early if Williams ends up in a similar scenario to Dobbins, where it takes him a little bit of time to really get his feet underneath him uh, close to you know, that entire first season back, we could see a serious renaissance of one Mr. Hunt. Um, he's He would definitely, in my humble opinion, be the more talented of the two backups at that point between he and Pirine. So if this is to happen, do we like the fit? Do we think that Hunt can kind of show, improve, and carve out his way to a either contract remaining there or somewhere else? Or is this just much to do about nothing? I don't think it's much to do about anything right now. We're probably going to hear a lot of circle, you know, just a lot of things circulating with these uh, veterans that's left. You're hearing Zeke, Tampa Bay is a possibility. Uh, I even heard that Leonard Fournette is a possibility in Dallas. So, like, they're going to switch guys. Mm, um, okay. I even think that Leonard Fournette may be a possibility for the Saints, being that with the Camaro suspension looming, him being a Louisiana guy. You know, you start to see Tyron Matthews there. You start to see a lot of these LSU guys going back. Landry just played there. You know what I mean? So I can very well see him kind of falling in that line. 
and go and play in there just for the play for the hometown. People want to put that hometown jersey on, and they need a veteran running back going into the season. So I can see him landing there. But with that being said, um, I think you're gonna hear all kind of news. The Broncos pick up a lot of guys though, a lot of different running backs already on the on the roster. Maybe the health of Javante is gonna play a part, but I have to see it first. I don't I don't think there's anything here yet. I think with Javante Williams, because it's not it's not the same extent as Dobbins, because that was the MCL as well as the ACL. Uh, I think he he had all of them go the LCL, the LCL, MCL, and ACL. It's always promising what you hear, but it being the LCL, I, I would be a little bit you know on on the fence. But so far, so good, right? I think the real t- we can't even honestly think about them performing in training camp because Dobbins was participating and uh, working out on the sideline. Right, eventually sure was. Up, and he worked him with his, himself up to being on the field, right? So I think we got to really, you know, you know, we got to kind of wait on that. I don't think running back really is going to be the priority. They also have Tyler Batty. They got Piron. I think Piron is really serviceable. I like the call out to Vander mentioning um, Piron before. I think I think that's probably going to be it unless we see otherwise. I don't think Kareem Hunt goes to Denver. Kadarius Tony is poised to be the number one wide receiver for Kansas City per the scuttlebutt coming out of KC right now. So it's looking like he is going to be slightly ahead of Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantley. We know that the number one pass catcher on the team there is going to be the tight end, Mr. Kelsey. So what type of impact can we see, let's say, ceiling and floor as far as Kadarius Tony is concerned and obviously barring injury because uh, he isn't one stranger to injury. Uh, we, we know that they did bring in Rasheed Rice and it's looking like he may be the Juju Smith replacement, if you will. Kadarius Tony is going to end up being the starter for the outside wide receiver. What, what type of outlook does he have? Hey man, health. That's, his, that's the answer. Because one thing about Kadarius, he's kind of falling into that Julio Jones thing where it's always lower extremity stuff, quad, hamstring, growing. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these guys with quick, those quick twitch muscles, speed guys, they can very well, those things can tighten up real easy. So I think health is going to really play a part whether he, he's successful in his offense or not. Man, Travis Kelsey is still the best receiver on the team. So this whole Yo, number one. Yeah, so this whole number one thing is like, ah, uh, Okay. You know what I'm saying? I think they'd be serviceable, but I don't see them anyone being number you know wide receiver ones. If that makes sense, uh, as long as the wide receiver one is uh, 87. So looking at Tony, I think the ceiling is there. I think that's one thing we can speak to is that finally he's in a place that he wants to be there. Right? He found a home in a sense with Kansas City. We just seen his demeanor be so much different from where it was with the Giants from interviews and post game and stuff like that. We seen the fit, right? But I, I it just the question mark is is just they really uh, outside of Kelsey to your point they don't really favor one receiver. We've seen games Watson did good. We've seen games MVS did good. We've seen games where everybody kind of gets involved. To me, I wouldn't take too much into this wide receiver core until one person establishes themselves. It sounds good, but then again, we we've seen how they spread the ball to everybody. In some happy news, we have a big turnaround for one Mr. Foster Moreau, who was thought to uh, be done with the NFL, at least for this year, due to his diagnosis with Hotskins lymphoma. It looks like he has a new team and a great prognosis. So he followed his quarterback to New Orleans 
and it looks like he just signed a deal with New Orleans. It was either two or three years um, that he just signed there. Are we looking at Monroe as a possible sleeper, um, as a name that people are going to kind of forget the rapport that he had with Derek Carr in Las Vegas? And being that he'll be the only familiar pass catcher, um, does that kind of give him a leg up on Jawan Johnson? I think him being familiar is a plus, but at the same time, like, I want to know what his health is like with the whole recovery thing. Um, did this guy lose any weight in, in this whole um, debacle? Did he lose any strength? It's just the health because this isn't like a strain or a broken bone or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's something a little more serious. And with teams kind of like staying away from him, I don't, I don't know what kind of move this is. You know, I haven't seen anyone with this this diagnosis and play football afterwards, so. But it is a cancer, right? He he was he did have chemo, right? So I know with chemo you can lose weight. You can lose well, like. Let me ask you this: Don't you have to pass like a baseline physical before you can sign a contract? Like, don't you have to be like how would I say foot, not necessarily football shape, but yeah, but those to... yeah, those things don't be nothing. Those like if you seen like you, when those kids check in and they have to pass that little physical practice is really like running it has to be a little bit more involved in the nfl the only reason i say that is because we've had several players that found out that they had things like such as cancer and things of that nature during a nfl physical where they were trying to get onto a team or or that they had a heart condition or they had you know whatever going on so i mean right. they have to kind of be looking into them a decent amount to be able to kind of find those things so just the fact that it wasn't even like put off to like we're gonna wait to see what happens like they immediately gave him a contract like obviously that's a good sign but we'll, we'll kind of see how things go from there but he's, he's supposedly unless yeah. you know god forbid there's any type of re a reoccurrence um, he's supposed to be good so We'll have to see how that works out. The Dolphins added Tyler Croft as a vet. Won't have much of fantasy relevancy. We have heard that the Buffalo Bills, who be actually the first team that we talk about as far as the AFC uh, risers and fallers, they do view Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid, their rookie tight end. They're looking at him as a wide receiver, which is Al Propos because he pretty much catches like a wide receiver. So do we believe the story that they're telling? Is Dalton Knox now not even rosterable? Kincaid, he's supposed to be that guy, right? He's supposed to be. Um, the, the comps I'm hearing, people like he Kelsey-like and all this other thing. So Knox better be knocking on somebody else's door trying to get out of there. The, the, the heat is on his back for sure. I don't know. I think it's going to be... It, it may come on. It, it may be a camp. That may be a, a competition, to be honest with you. You know, you have quarterback competitions in camp. This may be a tight end competition. You just never know, man. Tight end is usually the hardest position. You know how I feel about it. Uh, year one tight ends hardly ever do anything in the NFL. It's like the hardest position to transfer over. I agree. But, um, but however, if but he's more of a wide receiver, like a wide, though. Right. Right. That part. So, <laughs> right. right. So wide receivers normally kind of stand out kind of early if they get, put, it, put it like this. To date. Pitt's best year was year one. If they're going to kind of use them the way Atlanta was using Pitt's, you know, when they actually have a quarterback in Buffalo. So maybe we see what we saw with Pitt's, but we see a continuation of a year over year because the quarterback situation um, doesn't end up getting so mucked up. So, you know, th there's that side of it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what Kincaid – I don't. I really. I would stay off this this tight end until it, like the tight end room until it develop. Like yeah, they they want to utilize him at receiver, 
I mean, but I mean, what did that really say? Like, we had a similar situation with Njoku not too long ago, where he was uh, almost, you know, on the scrim. They had Austin Hooper and himself. I think it's, you know, something similar, not the same skill set, because I, I, I really believe this kid is like a wide receiver. But I would just want to see it, like, develop. I would take a flyer on him and redraft to see. Obviously, Dynasty, you got to keep him, because with Dawson Knox's contract, it's more like a three-year deal. So after 2024 20, season, they can move on from him. I think it, it plays a lot to just see it develop and to kind of go with the early news. And that'll wrap up the news. We're going to go ahead and look at the risers and fallers of the AFC post-draft. So let's go ahead and continue with the Buffalo Bills. Now, they drafted, as we were just talking about them, uh, out of Utah, tight end Dalton Kincaid. They also drafted out of Florida, uh, offensive guard. Also out of Florida, wide receiver Justin Shorter. And, um, you know, they, they got a couple of offensive linemen in there as well. The main thing that I see as far as the draft was concerned is what they didn't get. So Knox is the only one in trouble. Harris and Cook, as well as Gabe Davis, can kind of breathe a little bit easier because they didn't get any additional, whether it be a vet or rookie, they didn't get any additional wide receivers yet, at least. As far as running back is concerned, they didn't get any additional running backs that would vie for any type of serious contention as far as carries are concerned. So how are we looking at the Buffalo Bills post-draft? Yeah, so with Buffalo, like you said, I love everything that they did. I think, like you said, they really shored up a lot of things on offense. What I want to kind of go back to, is just looking at like the offensive line. I think uh, getting Torrance from Florida, like you were saying, real. I think honestly, I think that's where we saw a lot happen towards the end of the season, where Josh Allen just really didn't have many places to go uh, in the pocket. And I really like that they kind of addressed that early on. Justin Shorter, I don't think will have fantasy relevance, but I do want to kind of premise that on like this is a, definitely another developmental piece now you they already hit on a, a guy like Khalil last year this is somebody who you can definitely mold he's a bigger guy I just like the weapon I, lo- I love what they did on offense I honestly we already know to take Josh Allen high but I think obviously he, he's really in the running to be that second quarterback in competition with Jalen Hurts taking overall and redraft the main thing what I wanted to see is the continuity and I even like the running back group. You know, you got James Cook, you got Damian Harris, Latavius Murray. This is a good group for him, and he has a plethora of weapons. And we've seen them just develop these wide receivers slow and steady. But I still, I don't know about Diggs, man. Like, I didn't want to kind of turn this segment not about Diggs. I know how the playoffs ended. He was on the fringe of being a trade rumor. I think a Justin Shorter move and just how, like, this is stacking up Gabe Davis, Khalil, having to pay, uh, pay Gabe Davis. In the coming year, well, I'm be looking at Diggs, man. I want to see how happy he truly is come the regular season. But I love all these moves. My opinion, man, I think the Bills made a, you know, they made a few moves, but I don't think it moved the needle. If that makes sense. Uh, I mean, you drafted shorter, but he's a guy that's probably not going to see the field much. Uh, you still got the same receiving core from last year. You lost Singletary and added Damian Harris. That's kind of a wash. You know, I think Damian may be a tad better than Singletary, but that could be, you know, our argument. The only ad is Kincaid, and again, he's a rookie, tight end. So I don't I, any of the moves that they have they've made so far, they didn't do anything as far as competing this next season. I think the same team that they had is going to be the same 
style this year. They haven't done anything. They haven't gotten better offensively, if that makes sense, in my opinion. I think it's pretty even. Next up, we have the Miami Dolphins. They didn't do a whole lot on offense in the draft, but they did end up with Texas A&M running back Devin Ikine. They had Stanford tight end Elijah Higgins, as well as the offensive tackle out of Michigan, Ryan Hayes. So with Miami, I think they got their running back of the future, possibly. It could be the running back of the present, just depending on how injuries go. The guys that are in front of him being Raheem Mostart and uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., they are no stranger to injury. So we can kind of see that creep up. But they do still have Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskins on the roster as well. Somebody going to have to go. I don't see all of those running backs still being on the 53. But what do you guys have for Miami? Again, uh, now this is a team I feel like kind of stayed put as well. I mean, you did mention a Kane. I love him. He probably will be the starter in the near future. Like you said, when have you ever seen Mostert not get hurt? Jeff Wilson, again, I think Devon is just – he's just the, probably the better athlete in the room at the present time. They were ecstatic about this draft pick, it seemed. If you look at their room, but when they made the pick, Coach McDaniel was like fist pumping and hype. I mean, he wasn't that hype about the Cam Smith pick. You know, when they got the corner out of South Carolina, he was just like, all right, cool. But when they got Devon – He an offensive guy, though. Right. So it's like and, another – And to be fair – Every time they put the camera on anybody's room for a draft pick, they was losing their mind. So, but not for Cam Smith, he didn't though. For Cam Smith, he was. You probably ain't know who he was. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? But um, like you say, he's an offensive-minded guy. Running backs usually do well in this offense, so I love him. I love a Kane moving forward. He's the guy to have if you're in your draft and you see most third name come up. Just bypass that. This guy Devon is the guy to own, but. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, like you like you said, one of the teams that stayed the same, right? The only thing that we can do is talk about this running back group because to all your point, I mean, he is the running back of the future, but also they, they kind of didn't give a lot of money nor contracts that they couldn't get out of to both Mostart and even Jeff Wilson. You can always, like, everybody always says something when it's their guy and they get their guy, but I think what should be scary is that Mike Daniels is, you know, he was once a run game coordinator. And he damn sure knows how to run the ball pretty good. I think him feeling as though he got a fit, you know, should really put people on notice. Like, this guy could actually have some return value. I'm going to be excited to follow him doing camp because, let's be honest, if he doesn't get on the field this year, which he, he almost is certain to, he's going to be their guy, I think, or at least a 1A in the offense going into next year. The New England Patriots are up next didn't really do anything, in my opinion, to move the meter as far as fantasy is concerned. Um, got several offensive linemen, a kicker. We did get two wide receivers, uh, LSU wide receiver Keyshawn Boutte and Liberty wide receiver Demario Douglas. I, I, I don't know how I feel about our offense this year. I kind of feel like it may run through the tight ends. I know it did back in 2011, the last time Bill O'Brien and the Patriots were together, and that was when Gronk and Hernandez was able to do what they were able to do. So maybe Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki, they may be the guys that are most benefited from this style of offense, along with 
Ramondre Stevenson. Um, but that's another guy where because things didn't change, you know, his value still kind of remains. I'm interested to see the split between he and James Robinson. I've always thought, although James Robinson was drafted a little bit later, he showed and proved like he he seems like a, a Belichick type of guy, like a guy that as far as running back is concerned, if you aren't highly touted, you'll never get, you know, the pat on the back that you deserve, but you can get quite a bit of run with that type of a coach. And it's going to be run game defense, throwing the ball that uh, what 12 personnel is what I see from new England. Um, but fantasy wise, I don't think much really changed, man. I'm, I'm with you there. I think honestly, really nothing much has changed to be relevant. I'm thinking top down, man. Like I think obviously Mac Jones is going to improve, but because how what balanced the offense I would expect it to be, I don't think it even makes a difference. I think Ramondre uh, had a lot of value last year. Will it continue? Like this is a guy who literally can catch six to seven passes a game comfortably, you know, in the sleep. What is that going to be with the James Robinson? who looked good coming off of ACL, but we all know that the, the distinction and the difference being a full year healthy, what is that backfield going to look like next year? So to your point, like the only person I had some fantasy relevancy to me would probably be Hunter Henry, right? And then we the question is with Juju, will you be Jacoby Myers or will you just be another guy? They wanted you, you know, when you left the Steelers, you settled, you know, to go to the Chiefs, but what are you going to look like in this offense? Can you be a Jacoby? Because if so, then that's dividends, right? If not, he's just going to be another guy, you know? I am a little more optimistic. Fantasy-wise, I think Matt Jones gets a boost. I mean, he actually got an offensive coordinator. Yay! True, true. So, this is true. I so maybe that. he can build on the rookie season he had. Wasn't he a Pro Bowl player this rookie season? He Pro, was. Pro Bowl quarterback? So let's build fact, on that. though, but yeah. Let's build on that. I mean... Come on, man. You got Patricia calling your plays like with a pencil in his ear. <laughs> like, come on, man. I'm, I'm I'm a little more optimistic about the team. I think they're going to do a hell of a lot better. And I like Juju. Is he not probably one of the better slot receivers this team has seen, period, as far as ability? I mean, you got <sighs> Welker, you got Edelman, you got uh, Myers who just left. Like, wouldn't Juju be like the, the probably the better athlete out of those guys? I mean, why yeah, not? Yeah. And, and, and uh, then the years yeah. that we did see this offense do well when you say they had the two tight ends. That slot guy was doing his thing as well. So when True. Hernandez and Grant was doing well, the slot guy was also getting his 100 catches as well. So I love Juju in his offense. I'm not really concerned about, I think, Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker would probably would be just, yeah. you know, just there. I don't know there. if Parker would still be on the roster because you still got uh, Thornton that they drafted last year too. I don't I don't right. think all of these wide receivers are going to make it. Um, and Stevenson, I think we've seen him. He's a dog. He can. He's he's really a three down back. It's just yeah. <laughs> Bill choose to do it. You know what I mean? Because a guy can catch. You know, not a bad pass protector at all. But um, and then yeah. I think Pierre Strong Jr. is going to kind of take over that James White role. Whether he'll still be on the team or not, I don't know. But Ty Montgomery is still a Patriot. Right. So I, I'm I'm a little more optimistic when it comes to this offense. I think they're going to do a, a hell of a lot better. The New York Jets. Not a whole lot going on in the draft, but they have had quite a bit going on as far as the offseason is concerned. So uh, we can definitely talk about, you know, all that has taken place. But they did get a couple of offensive linemen, a center out of Wisconsin, Joe Tipman, uh, Pittsburgh offensive tackle, Carter Warren. But now also out of Pittsburgh, 
running back, Israel Adabakanda. He was really the only offensive piece to kind of turn heads a little bit, but they have so many running backs right now. I don't I don't know how this running back situation is going to work out with the Jets. He was a guy that, depending on the team he ended up on, he could have, you know, turned into whatever, but he may end up kind of buried on the depth chart, or he could possibly pass Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight, but both of them, when healthy, have shown to kind of have a knack for that offense as well. So too many miles to feed as far as I'm concerned, but I do think, and I also think Brees is going to be the bell cow in the in the offense is as much of a bell cow as he can be right, what do we have with the jets now me myself i feel differently i like izzy i think the guy who's gonna be on the on the outs is michael carter you spoke of him i mean he got leapfrogged by zonovan knight who came out of nowhere like nobody knew this guy and he leapfrogged him so now that this guy coming in the holly tally guy out of pit i think he's gonna jump both of them i think he's the better running back i think it'll be Brees and then izzy it's going to be a Canton war for that third that third spot, you know. So I think this is a name Carter you're going to hear on that bubble uh, when it come time uh, to, to for the season to start. I could very well see him move to another team because I don't think he's finished like the NFL. But as far as the Jets is concerned, it's, it's out of there. Jonathan's young and Michael Carter young, but you still went and spent a pick on a running back. Offensively, this team is going to do well. Of course, you got the, the old gunslinger, discount double-check himself in the building, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's gonna go back up to QB one status. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna even clip some MVP. He's gonna be back in that air again. Uh, Garrett Wilson leading the charge. Everybody hearing the reports, of course, coming on with that. As far as I think he liked that new toy he got. Who also wears seventeen, right? The familiar face in Lazard. McCole probably gonna be doing his old jet sweep type of deal. And Corey Davis is still gonna be there. I thought he's gonna be a guy that may get cut during this whole thing, but I thought so too. They said they're going to keep him around. So this is the best quarterback he's played with. So why not? I think Corey True. Davis can do well as well. So I think this offense is going to be lights out, especially that the way that defense is playing. They're going to get some shorter fields. There's going to be some turnovers in their own uh, side of the field. Like I think they're going to have some – this is going to be a very, very fun team to watch. It really could flip the division. I mean, honestly. Like, they already it, had one of the better defenses, and now they were losing. Offense, they were losing. Look at the scores. They was losing games last year by three. You know, they were like, losing games last year because of QB mistakes. Yeah, but it was uh, close it, games. It, you yeah, know that's what, I mean? what I'm saying. Right, they, they would have won without it. that mistake. And Aaron Rodgers hopefully doesn't make that mistake. So I think in real world NFL, they could take some surges. But as far as fantasy is concerned, I think you're going to kind of get give or take just about the same thing that you were getting before. And, and the only reason I say that is because they're going to be several miles to feed and all of them are going to look quite a bit better with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. One thing we know about Aaron, I don't care how many miles it is to feed. He like who he like. <laughs> right. And, and, and he brought in Cobb and Lazard. So well, well, Cobb is just, I want to have a conversation with you when I'm in the locker room. Everybody know what Cobb there. Right, put, right. His, put, put his locker beside mine and this is the guy I'm be kicking it with in the lounge. That's why Cobb is there. That's the only reason he's there. Like I can see that. That's it. But I think he is comfortable with um, Lazard, though. Man, look for Garrett Wilson to be one of those targets. He's going to be a target hog this year. A straight target hog, man. Like He's he going to be the guy that's approaching the wide receiver one here. Definitely should finish top 10. No, oh, I, 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 I can That's see like that. 10 is the that. floor. 10 is his floor. That. I think 10 is going to be his floor. And he can get up in the, in the, in the top five for sure. 
one of the big moves that stood out to me was getting that, uh, the center, actually. I think they really did a lot, right? Getting uh, Dwayne Brown, getting the center, who, to me, is a game changer. He's going to automatically get a big upgrade just by that one position. This is a guy who can literally call the adjustments, do everything that we we going to see from Aaron that Aaron's been doing his whole career, but now being able to, you know, to have that one extra body. I think in the interior lineman at that, right? Um, going to Brees Hall, I love Brees Hall. I think what's crazy is, like, not too long after having ACL surgery, the kid was already running. Like, not even, like, a few weeks removed. Like, not, uh, not even more than two weeks removed, he was running. We know his workmanship, his pedigree, and everything like that, and that's a word I like to say when it comes to these guys who really – are hard workers. I think he'll be ready by regular season. Genuinely ready. No designations. Like good to go. To your point, Garrett Wilson, somebody I liked a lot, and I made sure I tried to get early on, regardless of who the quarterback was. But now it's even better, right? You get somebody in Todd Dowling who's doing a being a passing game, a passing game coordinator who worked with the AJ Brown. You get somebody who worked with Devontae Adams, Nathaniel Hackett who both like to feature these, you know, these X wide receivers, but getting them the ball in a plethora of ways, right? Didn't we just see that with the last OC, giving him all those receptions and targets? It doesn't matter if Lazard's there. It doesn't matter if Cobb's there. I don't think he needed anybody to be around him, like a catalyst or a group of people, because he had Elijah, Elijah Moore and um, Davis. I think it's like the same thing. Like, I think, you know, like uh, Van was saying, he's going to crack the top 10 again in his sleep. You know, I don't. I think this is even walking apart. Like I say you're marrying like the whole offense is going from what was there to bringing in Hackett, adding in Todd Downing. All of those offenses are all the same, and it all it features one receiver mainly. Like I said, from AJ Brown to what we just see with Devontae Adams. No comparison to Garrett Wilson, but I'm just saying like that volume he's about to get. It doesn't matter the wide receiver; he's going to feast. Heading on over to the AFC North. We have the Baltimore Ravens. They ended up getting Boston College wide receivers, a Flowers, and a couple of offensive linemen. Vander, I know this was the team that you've kind of had your ear to the ground on, and you've done a little bit of research as far as Zay Flowers is concerned. How does he end up fitting into the Baltimore situation, and how do we feel about their offense in general they picked up Odell Beckham obviously right now Rashad Bateman is supposed to be 100% healthy they also picked up Nelson Aguilar in the offseason they did pick up uh, Keaton Mitchell as far as running back was concerned but JK Gus Justice Hill and Keaton are their running back so what do you have on Baltimore they finally have listened got this guy some weapons they finally shown, you know what, well, let's help them out. And I think they did that. You got Rashad Bateman who's returning. Uh, I think he's going to do well. Having Odell in the building is going to do well for a lot of these younger guys, right? If that makes sense. Like some of these younger receivers, they all love Odell. That's their guy no matter what. So I think him being in the building is going to really help some of the maturation of them guys. Zay Flowers, man, like he's my favorite receiver in the draft. Uh, 1A to uh, 1B, whatever you want to call it, to JSN. I think it was like 1A, 2A, 1A, whatever you want to call it. You still have the the, 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 safety, the safety blanket and Mark Andrews. And then now you got the signal caller, uh, Mocking. You know, we've seen what he's done and, and places that he visited. This team is going to pass the ball. So if you're sitting here thinking like, you know, J.K. and all these other guys are going to be a whole lot of running, we're we really going to see if Lamar got 
that thing everybody's talking about. Can he sit back there and toss it around? He's going to get his opportunity to toss it around. I, I love it. I think this thing going to do extremely well. And fantasy-wise, I mean, you got to go with the signal caller. Lamar, I mean, draft him with confidence. I think he's going he's gonna to push the envelope again, another MVP-style season. Joe, we got Cincinnati up. Now, with Cincinnati, they ended up getting wide receiver Charlie Jones, and they got Chase Brown as well. And then a wide receiver that we talked about out of Princeton, Andre Losivas. The scuttlebutt has been that Tyler Boyd, um, last year of his contract being this year, that they may just let Charlie Jones take over that position for him at the end of the 2023 year. But they didn't really have a lot of moves as far as uh, offensive guys in the draft. But what's your outlook for Cincinnati? Who are risers? Who are fallers? And why? Yeah, man. So going and looking at the offense, because we already know who these top guys are. Man, let's go to Irv Smith Jr. first and foremost. They did nothing in this draft to kind of bring somebody in you know, developmental or other. They just got a plethora of guys. And this is somebody who's years removed from having that tremendous camp, unbeatable camp, you know, looking promising, right, before he hurt himself. I think he has, you know, opportunity to be way better than Azuma and, and Hayden Hurst, who are two more so blockers that can, you know, slash receivers than someone who's an outright receiver. I love the pairing. I love what they continue to do to kind of put a wall around Burrow, but also, too, to help the run game, right? So now they went out and had got Orlando Brown signed him to a contract. And from what I've been reading and looking into, they're trying to get Jonah to kind of buy in, man, to come on back, right? They already had Alex Kappa, who was, who was tremendous. I think that's a big signing for them. But you just see that wall of protection, you know, being back. Absolutely, yeah. You, you remember a few weeks back I was saying one of their major offseason moves would have to be convincing Jonah to stay. And now they have – uh ridiculous offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Bruh. And that leads us to the running back. You know, we we all want to know what's going to happen with Joe Mixon. But I I, I still think what this team likes to do anyway, this this is a vertical team. Like, let's be honest. Three-step, five-step drop, I'm going to just throw it vertical. You know, let let me get down the field. They got two bullies in Higgins and hopefully Jamar Chase. I don't know what's going to come from that baby mama situation. So let's just pretend he's going to still be there. But I did like Chase Brown. I think uh, to Vanda's point, you know, to me, Travion and the other running back on the team are the same guy, Chris Evans. This is a little bit different. And it's somebody who reminds me a lot like Philip Lindsay, I'm a little smaller guy in stature, but he he got too much energy, man. He reminds me too much of, of Lindsay. And to quickly talk about the defense, this might be the, like, they had a decent defense. I wish they, let me see if they got rid of Apple. If they got rid of Apple, it's, it's game on. But anyway, what they did was, you know, they took a flyer on Miles Murphy. I think that's going to be good for them. They got DJ Turner, and they got one of the better safeties in the draft in Jordan Battle. With all the other pieces they got this year in free agency for the Cincinnati defense, they were good. You know, they've always been in one of those first half teams, but I think they might be one of them teams I'm going to look for in redraft early on. The Cleveland Browns got Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman. Ohio State offensive tackle Dewan Jones and UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. So not a whole lot of changes as far as offense is concerned for Cleveland. So that kind of solidifies your guys that were already there to a certain extent. Um, they did go get Elijah Moore, um, and then they already had several guys in the fold. So what's your outlook for the Cleveland Browns, young Vander? Who are your risers and fallers? I think my follow would be um, Peoples-Jones. I think he's a guy that people had high hopes for coming into last season. 
but they just added two more wide receivers. So that room got a little more crowded. Uh, you got the Elijah Moore, who's probably going to showcase what he really has of his offense. I think he didn't have opportunity to really the beef he had with the Jets. I think he'll get a chance to, to, to show his uh, his skill here. Agreed. And they went draft uh, Cedric Tillman, another big body receiver who can, you know, get, get down the field. I just think Peoples Jones is the, is the guy that kind of took the hit fantasy-wise on this team. And Araza would be someone made like a Jerome Ford. You know, every year is always that that magic handcuff, and he's going to be that guy. Of course, Nick Chubb took a boost because he's probably the, the, the man now. I think he's going to be more of a bell cow now than Sharon. And we seen the numbers that Nick Chubb put up when he was sharing. So him being alone, watch out. But at the same time, I think Jerome Ford is a guy to look out for because if injury happens, he now becomes RB1 in the room. And, of course, the boost goes to the, the man, the him, Deshaun. He finally got an offseason on his belt. I think he's going to get back to the old Deshaun of old. I would say those are the guys that probably seen more of the, of the boost. The only hit I see on this team would be Peoples-Jones uh, offensively, honestly. Next up, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. They went and got a couple of offensive tackles in Broderick Jones and Spencer Anderson. Then they ended up with kind of a value pick, if you will, but strange nonetheless in Darnell Washington at tight end out of Georgia. Now, this was a guy that I was asking you guys in the chat, you know, during the draft, like, why is this dude still here? And a couple of the other tight ends that were drafted before him were gone. That kind of confused me. So I kind of feel like Pittsburgh had a situation where they got better at a position that they were already really good. I think Pat Fryer move is that dude, but hey, why not go ahead and go back to the well and now they can use that, you know, 12 personnel and make things a little bit easier for Kenny Pickett. But what do you have here, Joe? I'm kind of falling for this team now. Like, you know what I mean? I think what you really wanted them to, to do, they went ahead and addressed. They needed to go ahead and get somebody on the offensive line and to fortify the offensive line as soon as possible. And I like that they did that most immediately. Looking at this team, man, I just think they're ready to compete. And I really think this year under Ben Canada, we're going to really see a different Kenny Pickett. I mean, he played up and down, right? He had some good, he had some bad. But I think this year they're even more motivated to get in him, you know, more, you know, into passing and more get him more aggressive on the field. Uh Najee gonna be Najee. And I think, you know, he played through a lot of a lot of injury. Not saying he had multiple, but he played hurt through the entire season and still was recovering from the Lynch Frank. And the guy was pretty good, right? Pretty darn good. And I think we're gonna get an even better version of him now that he has someone that can truly spell him with a Jalen Warren. I'm like, I don't know about this tight end group. I know Vander was the guy who liked Darnell Washington. I think this is a, a good problem to have, right? Because Gentry wasn't that bad either. And we all know Friar move to be Friar move. And then, again, me going to another standout on defense. This defense kind of retooled. They got Benton to come over and nose tackle. I love the linebacker, Nick Herbig, and, of course, Joey Porter Jr., right? I think all those moves and how, you know, what they went and did as far as the, you know, the additions they made, this is a good this is a good defense. You know what I mean? I think this is gonna be one like I said, just like we I had Cincinnati, this is another good defense and like you know, depending on your strategy, I would take this one just as well and let everything else come to me, you know, at this point with how well they, they made those moves. Moving on over to the AFC South, we have the Houston Texans who drafted Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. They also got Tank Bell out of Houston, Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State. 
couple of guys on the O-line. But what's fantasy relevant here, Vander? Oh, man, fantasy relevant. Of course, you got to go with the, the signal caller, uh, CJ Stroud. He should be the day one starter. I think this backfield is kind of kind of muddy. You know, if, at first, I think, you know, Damian Pierce, it kind of showed, you know, coming out of college, he wasn't a guy that received a lot of touches. And I think that, you know, you know, showed well once he got to the league. You know, as them touches pile up, the injuries start to pile in. Uh, so this is definitely going to be a committee. Uh, Singletary definitely going to be a guy that gets some love. I like him. I think he's a guy that you want to hold on to. I think Singletary is going to be probably a little bit more valuable than Pierce, even though he's the younger guy, maybe the better running back. I have to think Singletary, gonna, when it's all said and done, I, I can see him being the one with the highest score. Offensively, the receivers they brought in, I know Me, uh, Michi's coming back. Got to see it. He hasn't played football in a couple years. I like the receiver Tank Dell, the rookie. He was also one of my favorite receivers in this draft. I know he was, it was a report came out that Stroud asked for him specifically. Uh, so let's see if they have any chemistry there with those guys. I don't think he's going to start off being a, a starter per se, but I think he'll get his opportunity to play early and often. Fantasy relevant, man. I'm, I'm Even though I like Stroud, these receivers are like, you know what I mean? Uh, Robert Woods, he's he's a veteran. He's good. He's solid, but he's a, a great, you know, run blocking wide receiver. He's in the slot. We've seen maybe the best of him. Uh, Nico Collins, I guess, you know what I mean? Um, but Dalton Schultz, I think he a guy that also receives a boost as well. I like him. Absolutely. So yeah. he's probably my favorite out of the pass catchers going into week one. You have the Indianapolis Colts who drafted Anthony Richardson from Florida at quarterback. They also drafted wide receiver out of North Carolina, Josh Downs. A couple of offensive tackles, uh, tight end Will Mallory out of Miami, Northwestern running back Evan Hall. And that kind of does it as far as fantasy relevant. Who are risers and fallers and why on this team as far as fantasy is concerned, Joe? like this team i think um honestly the start the first pick that they took with anthony richardson you know i think they already even said it too he's going to be the guy week one i think also too within expectancy i think a lot of people are not seeing him like a path for him to be great of a passer considering the percentages and things of that nature coming from his last year in florida right we're going to see a little bit more balance you're getting a healthy jonathan taylor who had his ankle scoped out you know, just getting rid of some of that uh, extra stuff in there that was in there and cleaning it out. And we see how well that's done for players in the past. That's a good person to hand the ball off to. Uh, as far as, like, you know, outlook, I think Pittman's still Pittman. I think this time, you know, we're going to see him be as involved in this offense. But I got to like what I'm hearing from Josh Downs. Again, normally, like like I said in the beginning of the show, we don't like to kind of go by the beginning, right? Because, you know, it's only the rookies and, and second-year players, like I was saying earlier. But Josh Downs has really the hype, the, the hype that's been coming behind him. It's something that's been generated from even the organization leading into the draft. Reggie Wayne saying that he really wanted to work with this receiver and, and this was his guy, uh, so on and so forth. And then seeing it most immediately, how explosive and how he – immediately separate himself around around competition and also his peers. I think this is a guy like a, a the Paris Campbell that they wanted to see is going to be the player that they get this year. I think he's going to play dividends right away. And this was my favorite receiver, not named Jason in the draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars are up next. They did get a couple of pieces. Um, Parker Washington out of Penn State, Elijah Cooks, Jare Jenkins, 
Brenton Strange at tight end. Tank Bigsby at running back is one of the more notable names as far as draft was concerned. Who are the risers, the fallers? What is the outlook for Jacksonville? Uh, this is a really good team. Uh, you got, uh, of course, the risers, the, you know, offense uh, starting with Trevor Lawrence. He has another year in this system. Um, he just got to learn to start quicker. He oh, starts slow. He'll he throw two, three interceptions, and then he'll throw for 250 yards in the second half. Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, he starts really slow, so he got to start you know, start a lot faster. And I think another year in his offense is going to do well for him. Kevin Ridley. Let's see if there's anything left in the tank. Uh, so it's really a question mark on him. Uh, he didn't play football in a while, and the last time we did see him on the field, he wasn't doing anything. He had a mental breakdown. Let's see if he's rejuvenated and, and ready to play ball. The, the one the one thing on this team that I got my eye on is this Evan Ingram thing. Is he going to sign this contract? Is he going to be available when the season starts? And if uh, Ingram is not there, I definitely would be in on Strange because we all know, we talked about this before the season started last year, tight ends and Doug Peterson offense, I don't think they have a finish no lower than six. You know what I mean? Like they always in the top. You know I mean, so, there might be a reason to be in it on Strange anyway because Evan right. Ingram is another one of those players. In a, right. No Strange. In the Dynasty in. League. <laughs> in the Dynasty League, of course, get your hands on him. If you got a Texas squad, throw him on there. You know, hold on to him because he can be, very well be money. Any tight end in the Peterson offense is money. So I think Strange can be a guy that can maybe get the opportunity to play early and actually do well. But all the, I think all the pass catchers are pretty good as far as getting the boost. I think Parker Washington, he's a super talent. But he's going to be stuck behind Christian Kirk. I don't think he'll be getting much uh, rock early on. The Tennessee Titans drafted quarterback Will Levis. They also drafted two-lane running back Tajay Spears, Cincinnati tight end Josh Wow, and they got wide receiver out of Tennessee Martin, Colton Dowell. So what are we thinking about the Tennessee prognosis for fantasy going forward? Who your rises and your fathers, bro, Josh? Yeah, and I think this is going to be the quickest ones I had to do. I'll just say one positive, though. They got Peter uh, Skoronsky to come over to play the right tackle. They just lost a lot of offensive linemen this year, right, due to injury. And obviously, LaJuan having to leave because of that mishap uh, with his surgery. That You know, I think, you know, look at this team. You want to know what's Traylon Burks, right? Is he going to take the next step? I mean, he showed glimpses when healthy. But it was a lot of inconsistency. So I really can't really put too much on Traylon Burks. I think Derrick Henry, the way he prepares every season, he's going to have to be that guy. He's going to have to carry the load, so to speak, on his team. And I think he's more than capable. I'm looking at his, the running mate, uh, Taji Spears. I, I like the move. He went on record and to, to say he has no ACL in one of his legs. Like, literally none. Like, he don't have, like, you know, some people like, oh, we're going to borrow the cartilage and we're going to make a new one. And that's why he kind of fell a little bit because he was one of those people who stood out at the combine. Well, he for hey. damn sure can't have another ACL injury because he ain't got right. one. Hey, that, that's, that's, a, hey, that's what I say. Hey, but guess what? You can't tear ACL because you don't got one. Right. Like, that's great news. <laughs> <laughs> and it ain't like you got that long of a career with as a running back anyway in the NFL. So by the time that bone on bone get to him, I mean you, you good. You hey, the, 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 to say he doesn't have one, this dude be the cuts he made. You know like, like, like he, whatever he like, got is good. Enough. He don't need one. You know what I'm saying? It's like an appendix. You don't. What does it do? Like it doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? It's just there. So it's ACL. It's not needed. <laughs> 
So, Vander, you got Denver, uh, Oklahoma run, wide receiver, Marvin Mims Jr. They got a, a center, um, Alex Forsmith. Man, it's, it's just so many question marks on this team, top to bottom. I mean, we don't know anything. I mean, the wide receiver room, we've been hearing rumors. Judy is gone. Uh, Sutton is gone. They brought in Marquez Callaway from the Saints, who's familiar with the offense. Uh, they drafted Marvin Mims. They brought in uh, Trotman, too, the tight end. Yeah, so do he, those screams get louder then that they're going to trade somebody? Send us how they drafted and brought in a wide receiver? Again, I think they're waiting on the right offer. They keep saying, oh, we're not interested. And then the name still pops up. But whether they're there or not, I'm not really a big fan of Judy in this offense. I think he's the most talented wide receiver there. But in this offense, the slot man is not really the guy that gets the love. Cortland Sutton Facts. should be the, the guy that gets the receivers. love. Yeah. Right. Facts. You know what I mean? And then, uh, and then Mims take over. The, if Sutton is moving, then Mims come in that spot. It's probably going to be him. That's kind of what I'm looking for to see who's going to be the guy standing in that spot. As far as that tight end room, isn't that? it's weird. Everybody was big on Alberto, and this guy's in the doghouse. Greg Dulich, I'm not sure Peyton's a big fan of him. He went and got his own guy, Trotman. I'm surprised he didn't go get Taysom Hill. I was waiting to see Taysom Hill be moved to this team, but that hasn't happened yet. The running back room. And then Taysom Hill, I think he renegotiated his contract yep. to stay in New Orleans, yep. too. Yep. The running back room, I can very well see uh, P. Ryan being the starter at the beginning of the season. Um, I think Javante is going to take a little while to get back going, maybe maybe week five, week six, or something like that. Because, I mean, his injury in comparison to Dobbins, they got like a similar injury. He shouldn't be ready to go to probably week five. And then you probably have to tack on another, what, month or so for him to probably get back in the in the groove. So I think P. Ryan is probably going to be the guy for the first half of the season. And he's a guy that I'll probably be you know, looking for in my drafts. Even though I think they're looking for another running back, another veteran probably will be there. You said Kareem Hunt earlier. You still have... For net, you had a couple guys still out there floating around, so you just never know. This this team just had a lot of question marks, and so fantasy wise, I'm not a fan of anyone but P. Ryan right now until I figure out what's going on with that wide receiver room. Next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, with the Chiefs, they ended up drafting wide receiver Rasheed Rice out of SMU. They also had offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Not really much else on offense as far as the draft is concerned. Bro Joe, what are the wisers and fallers? What is the rhyme and reason for Kansas City this year? What are we looking at? I like that they went ahead and got Joe Tooney. Obviously, they got Donovan Smith. And I'm sitting got Juwan Taylor. So, again, they just really filled out this offensive line, put that, you know, that wall back up, right? We've seen Pacheco, and obviously in my eyes, I think Pacheco is the guy. This is his backfield. I like that they, you know, went ahead and got in the draft and went and got a really good receiver. And I, I really like Rasheed Rice a lot. Holmes, he's like his own guy. Like, oh, I want Skylar. He worked out Skylar Moore. They went and got Skylar Moore. He worked with Rasheed Rice, and then they went and got Rasheed Rice. Obviously, there's a lot more ties there for, with the organization, for the owner uh, being from SMU and being able to watch the games, obviously, and just the overall evaluation. But I think this is somebody who in redraft is going to be free because everybody's just going to kind of stay off this backfield or everybody's going to flock to Tony. But Rasheed Rice is definitely, I think, somebody who's going to be a big riser in this offense. I think this is a guy who – Everybody put that the comparison to filling in the juju role because again they target everybody they, they spread the ball evenly, and obviously Kelsey is, is their number one receiver. He can darn uh, you know darn well carve out a role to where he's the top wide receiver in this offense. 
He's very dynamic, very explosive. I love all his skill sets. We talked about it during the draft show. But like I said, my point about, you know, working out Sky Moore, he also worked out Quinston Johnston and also two, who else was there? Quinston Johnston. I want to say Zay Flowers. Was, he worked with three receivers, but he spent most of the time with Sheet Rice. He had his choice of his guy. He, they could have easily went and got any of those top receivers that they work with, but he he chose Rasheed Rice. I think that really bodes well for him in this offense. Again, somebody in redraft who's going to be next to free. I think he has all the tools in the tool shed to get it done year one. And again, you know, he could be someone who could be their top receiver in this offense, not named Kelsey. Just he's somebody you got to look at to kind of put that envisionment in your mind, like what kind of player he is, because he's he's a stud. Las Vegas Raiders. They didn't have a whole lot to do um, on offense. They had several picks, but tight end out of Notre Dame, Michael Mayer, was the best offensive pick that they went with. Uh, Cincinnati wide receiver Trey Tucker. Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell were their picks this go-round. How did this draft affect fantasy? Who are fi- uh, who are risers and our fallers here? Uh, I don't think anyone is uh, risen. I think there's only. I don't think anyone has rise in this team. I think it's been all fallers, um, and that's due to a signal caller, Jimmy G. You think he's a downgrade from Carr? Yeah, yeah. Even though he knows the offense more. Right, but Jimmy G doesn't latch on to anyone. No, right? he doesn't. Um, so <laughs> I, right. I, I think I think Devonte takes a step back because you got to stand now, Devonte. Of course, he had Rodgers, but before he had Rodgers, he had Carr in college. He came back to Carr. He could get swamped with targets. Jimmy G's not that type of quarterback. He's not going to be throwing Devonta the ball 19 times a game. It's just not going to happen. Man, this is tough. I, I, they, they, they better sign Josh Jacobs. I know that much. <laughs> Start playing around. Well, you know what I mean? He'll, he'll be there at least for this year coming. Yeah, so, I mean, but he, I don't think he's signed the franchise thing, right? He has one year left. I, I don't see him not signing it, but but who knows? Yeah, so that's I, I don't like this team offensively at all. I mean, Michael Meyer, a mayor, he's he's a cool guy. I think moving forward, he'd be one of the better tight ends in this league in years to come. As long as Jimmy G's the, at the helm, fantasy-wise, I'm not a fan of anybody uh, besides Josh Jacobs, to be honest with you. I mean, Devonta is Devonta. But at the same time, I don't. I think you should you know temper your expectations on him. Uh, he's no longer going to be the wide receiver one. Well, the you know, as far as the better, the best wide receiver in the league, talent-wise, yes. But the production, I think, is going to take a little dip. And we'll round it out with the Chargers. The Chargers got TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston. They also got TCU wide receiver Darius Davis and a couple of linemen. Then they also got TCU quarterback Max Duggan. So... They obviously went to TCU's pro day and kind of fell in love with a few people. So <laughs> help us out, Joe. What do we have going on here? Man, so yeah, honestly, it's only the same two people that we're going to talk about, right? We're going to talk about Eckler and we're going to talk about Herbert. Herbert can possibly have a top five finish if their head coach can make the right plays down in distance in a situational scenarios. Because we've seen in the past, this guy is not afraid to go for it. Fourth and 15, he's not afraid to, you know, when you need to, when you down by, you know, three, instead of kicking a field goal, if he can make those adjustments, I think more coming over here is tremendous. People really got to kind of look at the kind of offensive coordinator he's been for the Cowboys. The Cowboys have had the top offense oh, so many years. Even the year that they regret a little bit was only because Dak Prescott being out for the ankle. Other than that, they still finished top 10 in most statistical categories. 
I think this is huge because we're looking at the two injury prones, Allen and Mike Williams. Now you're getting a Quinston Johnson. Now you, you brought back – you still had Joshua Palmer. You bring back Jalen Guyton. You also have Darius that you got from the draft. Like, he has the weapons. Obviously, we know Parkham, Everett. We've we seen what he does with them. And Eckler's back, right? I think Eckler being back and brought into the fold really – to me, it's unclear, right? Because I think he's still going to get his touches, but – his upside was that we thought the, uh, the organization looked for him to do everything, right? But he was on the fringe and not coming back. And then on top of that, you get a running back like uh, Joshua Kelly to kind of show himself to be deserving of a role. I think Eckler still has value. I don't. He isn't going to be as high as we once had him. And this, you know, I think it's a dip. Even though he caught, he caught, you know, hundred, well, almost hundred receptions. I don't see that happening with the guys they brought in. So let me ask you this: Is Gerald Everett still with the team, or is he a free agent? Yeah, he got one more year. He got okay. So I don't know why I was thinking he was a free agent. So I thought one, so too. I had to look that up. So I, I love. Gerald Everett in the Dalton Schultz role. I think he's as good or better oh, than yeah. Schultz, to be honest with you. So that's a guy that if you don't go tight end early, that you could probably, you know, grab a little later and you're going to get tight end one production on most weeks if you don't go with one of the tight ends really early. But Max Duggan, do you think that he just was brought in because the wide receivers were from TCU or whatever? Like, I didn't, I don't know why they felt the need to get a additional backup quarterback like Herbert hasn't shown himself to be like injury prone or anything like that it was just a body you know what I mean like stick Easton been around for as long as they've had him in the past we know him not to start a game I think it's a similar thing too where you just need somebody to come in here and uh you know just be a body I don't really see any relevancy for Max Duggan. Unfortunately, he was a, a fifth-year senior, so he had to come out this year. But he didn't have much behind him, you know, obviously having injury going into the Shrine game, not doing well in that, not, you know, doing exceedingly well doing, you know, the rest of the draft process. I just think, like, you know, it's just it's like getting Andy Dalton, but not as good of an Andy Dalton which is sad to say, like, you can't even call him Andy Dalton. So that mind, he, Duggan is Duggan. You know, he, it's just a guy. And that about wraps it up for this week. We'll see you guys this same time next week. Until then, we out.